CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, welcome to Coindesk TV. A crazy Friday is unfolding right before our eyes, and we're going to talk about it. It's going to be fun. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jen Sinassi, Sam Kessler, and George Kaloudis. George is leading us off with... The rapid demise of Silicon Valley Bank. George, what does it all mean? What's going on? The banks, the banks. Don't you dare destroy our precious banks. So some senators signed a letter to the U.S. regulators discouraging the use of an operation choke point of the crypto industry that the powers of B are allegedly pulling together to stymie crypto. And as with everything in politics, the timing is hilarious. See, the politicians wrote about this iteration of Operation Choke Point yesterday when it seemed like, you know, Silvergate, Signature, were the ones that were going to feel the hurt. Well, today it turns out it's not crypto banks that are in trouble. It's banks like Silicon Valley Bank. They're struggling with rising interest rates due to what's called duration mismatches and to famed, totally not evil overlord Peter Thiel's founder fund encouraging a bank run. Before pulling it back all to crypto, I did not know that rising interest rates would cause banks in California to fail. We can talk about that if you want to talk about that. I agree with these four Republican senators. Crypto is not the systemic risk. And if you need any more proof of that, just look at Silicon Valley Bank. We just got news right before the show that the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation shut down Silicon Valley Bank and then appointed the FDIC as a receiver. And now we have a proper bank failure in 2023. Insured deposits will be fully accessible by Monday, they say. And then the FDIC is going to try to make uninsured depositors as whole as possible. This is the 18th largest bank or was 18th largest bank in the U.S. This is the largest bank failure since the Great Recession. Man, I love entropy. Zach, any takes on this? Yeah, bank runs are crazy. All like, this is nuts. This is nuts that we're seeing this unfold in real time. You know, I think it's not just Peter Thiel, right? We saw Pantera, we saw a bunch of other VC firms say, hey, portfolio companies, you might want to get your money on old Silicon Valley Bank, like real quick. Well, this was all unfolding Thursday night. So that may have been sort of the death knell, but it's certainly not what I think caused it. You know, at its root, you know, you saw sort of Arthur Hayes tweeting, I think it was yesterday, saying that, you know, Jay Powell, Jerome Powell has broken the US banking system. I guess, arguably by curtailing sort of bond buying, right? So you have sort of these macroeconomic ripples that are unfolding across the banking sector. It's not just crypto in this instance. I think Silvergate was rightly capturing headlines. We saw a little bit of grave dancing from the likes of Elizabeth Warren and other lawmakers who were long wary and skeptical of Silvergate's involvement with crypto. 
Silicon Valley, that's less of the story here. I think it's more tech startups rather than crypto startups. They certainly served a few crypto startups, but by and large, we're talking about one of the preeminent banks that were serving an emerging class of sort of Web2 startups in California and beyond. So yeah, pretty wild to see this really unfold against the backdrop of what had been some otherwise positive signs in the economy that were announced even earlier this morning. So pretty pretty crazy stuff, but I want to throw it to Sam for his thoughts. Yeah, I mean, really quick, one thing that I just want to zoom in on here is the fact that this letter that George mentioned came from four Republican senators. And that makes sense, obviously, because it's like an anti-regulation sort of an argument that they're making. But it also, I think, is indicative maybe of a theme that we're going to see more and more post-SBF, which is the increased, I guess, polarization or partisanship with regards to the backers of crypto. There was a big push around the time of SBF's like heyday to bring more Democratic lawmakers onto the side of the crypto mission. And that largely, I think we're going to see is is falling apart in light of that collapse and people feeling like they were fooled or, or tricked by SBF. And so I don't know if this is the exact, you know, perfect example of that, because again, it is a typical regulation sort of argument that they're making. But I do think we're going to see more of this, more polarization with regards to who's backing crypto. Jen, maybe over to you. Yeah, speaking of polarization, I agree with what the senators are saying when it comes to the regulators squeezing the banks to push crypto into a corner. I don't agree with the comparison they made to Operation Chokehold, which was a move in 2013 by regulators to investigate banks that were catering to legal gun vendors. I don't think that was the right comparison to make. I don't like that they made that comparison. I don't think that it's the same, but I guess the sentiment is there. When it comes to Silicon Valley Bank, there was a report in Bloomberg yesterday where the CEO was asking clients to stay calms as the shares were sinking. There was an emergency call where he asked bank clients, including venture capital investors, to just remain calm because everything is going to be okay. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I'm starting to lose trust in any CEO who says, don't worry, guys, I know you're hearing a lot of things, but just stay calm because everything's going to be okay. Because if we look at the trend the next day, immediately after that statement, everything is not okay. Zach? Steady lads. It's the steady lads of the Trad5 banking world. Steady lads deploying more capital. Anyway, just had to get that in there. George. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly what I was going to say, Jed. If your house is on fire, yelling at everyone saying, oh my God, the house is on fire. Don't panic. Doesn't do anything. It's very scary. If anything, it makes people think that the house is on fire and it's going to burn down. And that's what happened. I mean, bank runs are so psychological. All of this is so funny. Our financial system is so flimsy. You know, why these people come at us saying, oh, why does this have value? Why does crypto have value? And all of a sudden, just five rich people saying, hey, this bank is kind of suspect, shutters a a bank that has hundreds of billions of dollars of assets. Crazy. Jen, anything to add? Yeah. So we spoke about this story, well, the Silvergate story on the show for the past couple of days. And we pointed out that Silvergate was a voluntary liquidation. So they chose to go into liquidation. They weren't shut down by the FDIC. They are choosing to close their doors. This is different than that and affects companies outside of the crypto industry. So I just think the macroeconomic pointers here are serious ones, George. And I would love to hear like your take on that. I feel like this isn't really a crypto story anymore. What can we expect next from a macroeconomic? Don't shake your head at me <laughs> from a macroeconomic perspective. Yeah, I'm a macro guy, I guess. 
We've been in this zero rate interest environment for such a long time. And a lot of people have talked since the Great Recession, since we've had zero interest rates, that companies that don't deserve to exist, companies that don't make money, are allowed to keep surviving because they can just raise very, very cheap capital. And eventually, when interest rates went up, these companies are going to start failing and then people are going to start getting worried. I do think that this is bad. Like That's a macroeconomic outlook from George Kaloudis. This is not good. Rising interest rates is not good when all these companies only were able to exist when interest rates were zero or when interest rates were 0.25, 25 basis points. Yeah. Zach, anything to add on to the macro outlook? Or do you want to go on to the next story? No. Does Bitcoin fix this? Does, does, does being your own bank fix this, George? Man, Bitcoin, is, at this rate, I don't think Bitcoin fixes anything. Oh, man. Good times. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's change gears. Let's go to the company formerly known as Facebook. Big old scoop by the blog Money Control suggesting that Meta is rolling out a decentralized social media app. It's going to be text-based. It's going to use Instagram credentials. It continues Meta's exploration with decentralized technologies, which to its credit dates back at least to the Libra experiment that was also met with huge blowback on Capitol Hill and ultimately never saw the light of day. So Meta potentially rolling out a decentralized social media app as sort of decentralized social media becomes a bigger conversation in the world of crypto. Certainly something interesting here. Let's discuss. Sam, putting you on the spot as a former Silicon Valley denizen. What do you think about uh, Mark Zuckerberg here trying to get into the world of decentralized social? I'm going to make a prediction and I never make predictions. I think that whatever this is, they're going to do it. It's going to spin out. There's going to be maybe some other team of engineers or whatever, either because they got laid off or what have you. They're going to start a new company that's not going to be called Facebook, not going to be called Meta, and they're going to be doing a similar thing under a different name as whatever this app is that they're going to like release with Meta. My thinking here is, first off, I think it doesn't really make that much sense for Meta's and Alphabet's, Google's and Facebook's of the world to move into decentralization because, I mean, Ben Thompson's blog talks a lot about this stratechery, but these firms get power from having centralized control. They can nod to this whole crypto movement, but it doesn't really make that much sense when that's just not their moneymaker. It's just, this is going to be an experiment for them. And then what I was teasing before about like my prediction, Zach mentioned Libra, DM, it's got a bunch of code names, their project that they tried to launch and they couldn't for, you know, regulatory reasons, ostensibly. That spun out of Facebook into two different companies that use that programming language that they developed for DM and Libra. It was called Move. There's Aptos and Sui that are now duking it out with a bunch of VC support to kind of take Solana's throne. But anyway, I think we might see a similar thing in the future. I don't know. Maybe, George, over to you. What do you think about this? We could tie back into banks. Didn't DM or oh Libra or something go to Don't Silvergate? Don't do this to us. Didn't it go to Silvergate? Did, so oh, yeah. Is this, yeah some... is this Mark Zuckerberg's fault? Did he do this to us? It's like the Madden curse, like where the, where exactly. the football star appears on the cover of that year's Madden and inevitably horrible knee injury. Maybe this is indeed Mark Zuckerberg's doing, George. Maybe, yeah. maybe you got something there. Yeah. Or, I mean, also decentralizing social media, to Sam's point, is very difficult. I think it's funny how the article kind of gave Meta a jab here, saying that all Meta does is copy other companies. But, you know, if your company is a feature, then your company is a feature. So I guess good luck to them. But like I said, decentralized social media is tough. And Meta and Facebook, of all companies, should know. They were really the epicenter of, you know, the, the fake news movement and like all that Cambridge Analytica stuff and a lot of, you know, censorship things. So 
they should know that this is going to be tough. Jen, anything to add? Yeah, I think despite their business model, it seems like Mark Zuckerberg is really bullish on decentralization and like playing with it. Or maybe he really sees it as the future and he's looking at it as like decentralize or die. Like how does he keep this massive business he's built with over 3 billion users, like half the world or more on it. He has the audience. He has all of the pain points Web3 is trying to solve. And so if he can reverse engineer it, I think that that could be a winning strategy for him. I don't think they've been able to do it. They've been kind of throwing the ball at the wall to see what sticks. I don't know if this is going to be it. It's called like P92. It's going to be decentralized Twitter. A lot of people are trying decentralized Twitter. But George, to your point, Meta has just copied everyone, but they've been super successful copying everyone because they have that audience, right? And so if they're able to make decentralized Twitter, I think more power to them. I don't know if they're going to be the ones to do it. I wonder what a decentralized Twitter would look like. Twitter's kind of, I don't know. I'm over Twitter. Are you, Sam, are you over Twitter? Come to Nostra. Is it Nostra or is it Noster? I don't even know what it's called. Maybe they can figure I out. They're called Nostrages. Um, okay. I was just going to say, like, the timing of this, like we mentioned Twitter, this comes right after, well, obviously, like the Elon Musk takeover, but Jack Dorsey is launching his decentralized social media app. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of this is really, I mean, it's hard not to see it as, something of a stunt to kind of bring people over, bring investors over to your vision, because I think that investors see that there is now a vacuum in the marketplace that used to be assumed by Twitter. And so if Facebook makes the motion towards filling that vacuum, which it might actually have a better chance of doing than Jack Dorsey out on his own somewhere, maybe they can at least get that stock price up in a way that they failed to do last year, but have been doing pretty well with recently. I don't know. Maybe I'm too cynical. Can somebody tell me if I'm cynical? I just see nodding. Are we all cynical? Okay, no answer. I guess we're all cynical now. I saw George's hand go up. I thought he was going to take us in an even more cynical direction. (laughs) No, I I read about the name of it being P92, and that kind of sounds like P90X, but like Like plus two. Like an exercise machine. I thought the same thing. Yeah, Yeah, what is this? It's like Web 5, you know, Web 3 plus 2. It's P90X plus 2. It's going to be even better than P90X workout plan by the fact of 2. Calling all early stage crypto, blockchain, and Web 3 startups, teams, and builders. Apply to Coindesk PitchFest, powered by Google Cloud, and pitch live on stage at Consensus in Austin this April. Winners will receive two VIP Piranha Passes to Consensus 2024, featured coverage on Coindesk, and an invitation to present at Coindesk's Private Investor Summit, Ideas 2023. Learn more and apply at consensus.coindesk.com slash pitchfest. This next thing, um, I think Zach teased it before. I really do see this as a bombshell yesterday. I'm confused why more people aren't talking about it. But this is, you know, when New York Attorney General Letitia James, she sued KuCoin, the crypto exchange, alleging that they engaged in selling unregistered securities. But the really interesting part of this is that among the securities mentioned that KuCoin sold were Terra and UST, not so controversial these days. But the other one was Ether, the native currency of Ethereum. So what actually is going to happen if Ethereum is a security? Why is it a security? I'll just quickly summarize. In this story, James essentially contends that Ether is a security because A, it's got somewhat centralized control, um, in her view, from Vitalik Buterin and the, um, the Ethereum Foundation specifically. Also, the ICO, the initial coin offering of Ethereum, 
gave tokens to investors who have untold quantities of tokens even today. People like Joe Lubin, one of the other co-founders of Ethereum who runs Consensus. But the other really interesting aspect of this is proof of work to proof of stake, the transition that Ethereum embarked on last year in 2022. By switching consensus mechanisms, essentially, there's an argument to be made by James and maybe the SEC that Ethereum is a security because of how proof of stake works. That's something that we can talk about more. But maybe, Zach, let's hear your viewpoint on what this all means for Ethereum. Do we dump all of our Ether now? No financial advice here, Sam. No financial advice. You can't bait me with that. George is a Bitcoin maxi. You know, he's gleeful over here. This is something the maxis have been like, you know, hitting the drama on since way before the merge. So this, I mean, Sam, I think like this cannot be overstated how important this would be. This would be a really, really big deal if Ether and other proof of stake cryptocurrencies became considered as securities in the US. This would be really, really monumental for how exchanges are able to interact with these assets. There'd be additional listing requirements, public disclosure requirements, stuff that would be really foundationally change how the crypto market is currently conceived, right? So I think this is kind of goes back to, I think it was the Hinman argument. I believe he was either a CFTC or SEC commissioner, sort of back when the last crypto hysteria was running its course back in 1718. He sort of made an unofficial proclamation that ETH resembles a commodity rather than a security. And a lot of people have been kind of riding on his word for a number of years, but that has never been kind of codified into law. There are certainly cases that are examining this question, I think most prominently with the Ripple versus SEC lawsuit, which the SEC alleged a couple of years ago that XRP was an unregistered security in an, at a major action against Ripple that has yet to be resolved. So I think these questions are still very much unsettled in terms of how the regulatory apparatus in the US views some of these cryptocurrencies. And I think kind of proof of work, despite getting slandered for many, many years for its exorbitant energy costs, and submitting the emissions of something like a country like Sweden every year, right? All of a sudden, proof of work is being seen as sort of the more fair way to secure these cryptocurrencies, which is really quite remarkable because Ethereum made that switch to proof of stake, you know, perhaps understanding that proof of work was an existential threat to its growth and to its embrace worldwide among regulators in the US and abroad. And now we start to have this wave of additional scrutiny following its shift to proof of stake that may make that decision look very bad should this kind of go down a course that, you know, Letitia James is, is arguing here, right? I think this one is certainly something that deserves a lot more attention, a lot more eyeballs on this particular story, because the ramifications would be really large as more and more of the crypto universe is secured by the proof of stake consensus mechanism. It's going to be a wild one to see where this one ultimately goes, you know, whether or not, I really don't think this is a KuCoin story. This really is an ETH story. George, I saw your hand. I want your honest opinion here. What do you what are you thinking as the resident Bitcoin maxi on the show? Yeah, to be clear, I'm not dancing on the, the grave of Ethereum or anything here. If I am going to sit here and be a Bitcoin maximalist and pretend that I'm excited about the long arm overreach of regulators, like slap me across the face, guys. You can slap me virtually. That's ridiculous. Like imagine wanting to do that. But there it is. I see I see it in the, the bottom over here. Zach, that last point you made about how it was seen as a bad thing to be proof of work. And so they moved to proof of stake. And now it's seen as a bad thing to be proof of stake. Just really highlights something to me that is the most cynical possible view for regulators and politicians is that they don't care about you. They care about signaling what they care about. And I don't think they actually genuinely care about the emissions associated with the electricity that is created to do proof of work. They just don't like crypto in general. (laughs) And so they're going to look for things to latch on here. The last thing, and I know, I know this is more of a political discussion, political question, 
who is the New York Attorney General? How can they say what things are securities or not? Isn't that the job of the SEC? Like, I can go out right now and, and write a letter and say, hey, Ether's a security. Like, why should people care what I have to say? You know, Jen? Yeah, well, I mean, Gary Gensler has come out and said that he thinks that every crypto is a security except for Bitcoin, right? Like, okay, if we run Ether through the Howey test, I think we would be lying to say it didn't pass the Howey test, right? But I just want a regulator to come out here and say, these are securities and this is what it means. Instead of suing exchanges, doing like random things and saying, oh, like, as a text in one of the filings, yes, this is a security. But there's no actual official statement, official ruling, official law that says what is a security and what is not a security. And I think that that is just, I think it's being maliciously used so that regulators can come out here and pick and choose what they want to go after. If either is a security, say it's a security. Maybe we'll see exchanges go offshore. Maybe we'll see exchanges not list Ether in certain jurisdictions, but just say it. I want clarity. George, I'm going to give you the last word on this before we move on to the next story. Sam, Sam oh. wants it. Sam wants that last word. I think word. Sam should have the last word. Oh, Mine was Sam, a good joke. No, no. no. Well, I, I think you actually touched on a couple things I was going to say, but like just two quick points of clarity or clarification after what we've been talking about, George, about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is also kind of implicated in this. There's some stuff here about commodities as well. Even if Bitcoin is a commodity, some of these institutions that trade or facilitate the trade of Bitcoin might also have to change the way that they're registered if they want to continue doing that. So that's, you know, something to clarify here. And the other thing that we should mention is that it's not a foregone conclusion yet that the SEC is going to seek to classify Ethereum as a security. You can visit the Coindesk, our, our website to see that what happens if there is a security story. But anyway, there's some caveats here. But anyway, Jen, let's move over to you for the next story. All right. Our last story of the day is going to be a lightning round story. That means I'm going to introduce it. Everyone's going to give their quick take and then we're out for the weekend. Okay, ready? Kathy Woods Ark Invest has bought $22 million in Coinbase shares and now owns 9.9 million shares of the exchange. And those shares are worth $575 million. Coinbase shares went down 8% on Thursday after the collapse of Silvergate Bank, which we spoke about at the top of the show. Despite all that's happened, ARK Invest continues to back that investment thesis of theirs. Sam, I'm going to toss it off to you for your first lightning round take. Lightning take. Interesting thing, kind of related to the ARK side of this, is just that Coinbase is moving towards, in their words, decentralization by launching Base, their Ethereum Layer 2, by launching their wallet as a service program where other people can kind of clone their wallet. I think it'll be interesting to see, just like with the Facebook question, whether Coinbase can thrive in an environment that does move more towards decentralization, at least, you know, in how they posture outwardly. So I guess Ark agrees with that theme, whether it's genuine or not. I, I, I don't know. George, what do you think? Is Ark a zero interest rate phenomenon at this point? I mean, they've been puffing <laughs> wind. I believe in Kathy Wood, though. Kathy is one of the few people who's more bullish than I am on Bitcoin. So I wish him luck. Anything, Zach? Yeah, this action sparked like all-time short seller spike, right? So people are very much betting on this huge Coinbase bet and others to fail spectacularly and are hoping to make a significant profit in doing so, right? So short sell interest went up on this news. People are trying to FUD Kathy. I mean, she does have the conviction. She stood by some pretty ridiculous Bitcoin price predictions, but she certainly thinks that, that the directionally that Coinbase is moving in the right direction. I tend to share her view on that, actually. I mean, if you look at Coindase, they recently released this kind of spiffy television ad that sort of tried to lay out in brass tacks how crypto can improve existing financial systems. And it was a compelling ad. So anyway, I think that Coinbase directionally has decentralization at heart. 
is doing some interesting things to advance that mission. And Kathy Wood could look really smart down the road, or she could make all of her many short sellers look very smart and very rich in short order as well. So yeah, hard to say, but Kathy's conviction remains super strong. I toss this back to Jen. We got to get your lightning round on the board here. What do you think? Yeah, I guess time will tell whether this is going to pan out for ARK. But I think Coinbase is going in the right direction, right? For a while there, I wasn't sure, but they are regulated. They're a public company. I want to say they're regulated in the US. They've just launched their layer two base. They have this wallet as a service thing that's supposed to make accessing Web3 apps for regular consumers better. And so, yes, I think directionally they're going in the right way. And time will tell if Kathy and Ark's bets are going to pay off or if they will not. I love a good time will tell. That's the way to close time the show right there. <laughs> Boom. Claps all around. All right. Claps in the chat. All right. That's it for the show today. It's also it for the show this week. We're going to take a little weekend rest. Be back on Monday. I'm Zach Seward. We got Jen Sinassi. We got Sam Kessler. We got George Galudis for The Hash. Talk to you soon. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply.